What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Monday. A massive show that we have no, no, to no, get no, to. No, 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 Hold on a second. You don't get to do wait. any of that, well, I'm sir. I'm supposed to like, be a professional no. driver of the show. I have uh, to tease You do it well. Things. I have to set up things. Nah. <laughs> the U is back. Yeah, baby. <laughs> the U is back. Hello, That's I right. I do this all week. That's right. All week, I have to say the U is back. Mm. That is a part of our Two bet times. that Raja and I had over Florida State's uh, loss to Miami. The U is back. I have to open the show with that every single time uh, because of the 27 beatdown in that game. I also... Uh, we have a ton of stuff to get to. We'll get to all that. NFL reaction, NBA. We're going to do all that. It's a fun show that we have lined up. I also... Uh, have to go buy you a pair of shoes uh, around $300 in value. My choice or yours? <laughs> because I'm going to find you the ugliest shoes I can find <laughs> on Stockton. Because there You're are such a hater. I don't no. care. I'll, I'll be a man of my word, but I'm going to find you the ugliest old school, <laughs> like ugly colorways. That's cool. Hey, the listen, worst I can find out there. The older and the uglier, apparently, now the cooler. Well, yeah, I'm going to find them. So, We're going to test that theory, too. 15, sir. I am a 15. man of my word, so I will do it. I was curious if you wanted me to get 15 or something for your boys but i'll get you something for me the other thing that i did get this is a bonus gift and this was proposed by one of our listeners as well because they were the ones who set these stakes yes. you didn't have to wear the mock turtle that i have to open every show saying the U is back i also got you two tickets to the meineke car care bowl which was suggested <laughs> uh, by one of our listeners on there so these are two actual tickets yeah. to <laughs> miami versus who cares? Who cares? Correct. <laughs> is, is the game well right played. There. there are good seats in uh, section 109, row one. So maybe you could take one of your boys there. It actually, there is no Monarchy Car Care Bowl anymore. It's actually now the Belk Bowl, <laughs> which Miami might play in it because there is an ACC tie in there. Um, but that's where we will start the show. Not only me losing that wager that we had because Raja is a diehard Kane fan. Mm. I am a Florida State guy. So I lose that one. Uh, the game itself was a beatdown. It was a, the better team won. Florida State looked lethargic. They did. They got. You know, it was kind of what we've seen unfold in this Willie Taggart era. Their offensive line got manhandled. They, you know, Florida, Miami had sack after sack after sack. Uh, Florida State couldn't stop anything. There were just issues that abounded all over the field for Florida State, where it was as ugly as it gets. And credit to Manny Diaz. This program. A few weeks ago, they lose to Georgia Tech, and it's like, man, maybe Manny Diaz is somebody we're yep. talking about in the hot seat. He goes back to Jaron Williams late in the game against Pitt, sticks with him. Now, all of a sudden, they've got this thing headed in the right direction. The ebbs and flows of football, they have been able to survive. Yeah, I'll tell you like this, Danny. I, I like Right before we came on air, man, I was going to be all excited and be throwing it in your face and so on and so forth. But it all sounded good. And then, you know, I, feel, I can't help but feel bad for Willie Taggart. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, And, and I, let's touch on Miami first. I don't believe that they necessarily have it all the way turned around. You know, I think Manny Diaz is still trying to figure out who he is as a head coach. And like I said last week, I felt like this was the type of game that Manny Diaz would be at his best and have his team at, at their best. I do think they're headed in the right direction, though. They just need to clean up some of the cultural things and some of the sustainable things that football teams have to have. It can't always be um, touchdown rings and turnover change. You know right. what I mean? Sometimes it's got to be fundamental, put your hand in the dirt, like technique, we're tougher than you type of stuff. And they, they need to develop that a little bit more, but I'm cool with it. Willie Taggart. I just, you know, I feel terrible because I saw it coming. Um, and it's one of those situations where you got to be careful. Sometimes the grass isn't always greener, you know, at the other place. And he had a good thing kind of going at Oregon. And I know that was his like his dream job and stuff, but it just, it, it didn't, I don't think 
that situation was as salvageable for anyone as it looked to him on the way into it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, for sure. So yesterday, so after the game, I was thinking about this this game. I'm like, man, this is rough. And we have documented Willie Taggart's up and down season mm-hmm. several times. And he's already been speculated. There have been rumors that they were looking into a buyout. You said for a while he's done. Uh, so credit to you for saying nice. that. I thought Florida State was in a financial situation where they wouldn't be able to afford this. So I was thinking, hey, let's try to put our best foot forward. Let's support the guy. Cause sure. that drives me. I don't, I, this is my least favorite part of this business is when you're in a put in a position where you're supposed to give an opinion. Should a coach be fired? Right. You are talking about a man's livelihood and Correct. a family Correct. and other things. And it is, I tried, I pride myself in not being a fan who's emotional and reactionary and being able to see the bigger picture and saying, all right, let's take a look at the big picture. So for all of those reasons, I've tried to support Willie Taggart to my best. Like, hey, he can still do it. We could still do it if you get the right coaches around him. Ultimately, after I watched that game, I was like, man, I don't know if he survives the season. It's probably going to determine what happens over the last three games. Right. Which were winnable, but it probably would have gotten to six and six. Then it's in a tricky spot. Like, it's one game better than five and seven. At least you get to a bowl. But at least- You almost couldn't afford that if you were Florida State. Because you already wanted to fire him. So if he salvaged it, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, so that was my, so then yesterday I'm sitting around getting ready to go hang out at some friend's house and this news breaks. I start getting blown up with text messages. Like, what do you think? What's happening? My initial response was some people in power, because it's a unique power structure at Florida State. There's the athletic director, David Coburn, who has only been there for about a year and a half. He was the interim after Stan Wilcox, who hired Willie Taggart, left to the NCAA. There's also the boosters, which, are very they make a lot more decisions than most booster departments do okay it's just they've kind of run the athletic program more so than most booster departments they're just fundraising wings they actually are a big part of the decision making process my initial reaction was there were people in power who were making this decision who were waiting for this moment and the minute they saw it they weren't gonna let willie's taggart Correct. salvage the season right. and make it a tougher decision on them because right now Everybody's looking at it and they're like, yeah, that was an ugly loss. It's time to move on. Yeah. I don't think they wanted to risk, well, what if he beats Florida? And, you know, what if, what if there's something that brings him back another year? And it just seemed like it was so toxic and there's so much division amongst the fans and the boosters and that, like, it just seemed like it was an untenable situation. And I, Here's what I would try to say to Willie Taggart. Maybe it's best for all parties. Absolutely. This thing is cut and you rip off the bandaid and it's painful and it's, it's too soon, probably, but at least it's done. Yep. And now everybody can now Florida State can start focusing on them. Willie Tiger gets his money, you know, he gets twenty million dollars sure. in a buyout, and Florida State can try to go in a direction where they can get everybody on board. You didn't want to like Willie probably couldn't see it now because um, nobody wants to be fired. Like no, you know, no one wants the stigma attached to being, you know, the Florida State coach who got fired after the Miami game. You didn't finish like in your first like second year. Like no one, no one really no. Does that right. But you get twenty million. That was going to be a mess for years to come for you. And unless you turned it around next year and you were like, you know, competing a, for ACC, it was going to be a mess and people were going to be at your throat and you were always going to have to look over your shoulder. So this is probably the best thing. He's a good football coach. Like you don't go to, uh, uh, South Florida. Uh, you don't go to Oregon. It just wasn't meant to be. And again, I'll say some of that's on Florida state, not all on Willie Taggart. The best thing that could happen for him and probably for Florida state at this point too, right? Like figure it out. Uh, but they have cultural issues there in their program. 
Like you don't get that bad by having the wrong coach come in there. Right. You get that bad by having some fundamental things wrong with the organization that is Florida State Athletics or right. football. Like, and they have to figure what those are. I, I don't know. So I think some of the cultural problems are so. Jimbo Fisher did leave behind a mess, which I think excused last year. Right. Because they were five and seven last year. It was a disaster. I was like, you know what? The expectations were way too high, which Willie Taggart built up. Because when you, when you're the head coach and you're just named, you want to infuse the program with energy and excitement. So he's in there saying, and he said this publicly at his opening press conference, we are close. We're close to being back. And he probably should have said, and, but he might back. not have been aware. Yeah. He was at Oregon. He was out, you know, in a different region of the country. Right. Probably wasn't as dialed into how bad their offensive line was, how bad Jimbo had stopped recruiting, uh, certain guys. And it was just, it was left a mess. So I think he got a pass for the first year, which I'm totally okay with this. And I do think there were players that quit on him in games and in practice because yep. they had been recruited by Jimbo and been sold something different. So I think that was okay for the first one. The problem that I had with it, where I'm sort of coming around to being, all right, this was inevitable and it was probably you had to do it, was this season you didn't see that jump and some of those mistakes start to go away. You still saw undisciplined play. Oh, sure. You still saw guys getting stupid penalties. You still saw late-game clock mismanagement. You still saw just some of the repetitive issues, barely winning against Louisiana Monroe. Like, you should not even be in that position right. late in the game. And then I went back and I looked at him like, where is the signature win? Just give me one win that you can hang your hat on. And there wasn't one. Right. You know, so like, and as much as I like Willie and wanted to believe, hey, if he had, and then my other kind of belief was if he got the right coordinators, right? If he got the right defensive coordinator and the right offensive coordinator, he could be the head of the program. But then I think that was a crutch. I'm like, if look at Nick Saban. And this is the hard, this is the highest barometer you could compare yourself to. They've been through coordinator after coordinator after coordinator. Fine. If there is an issue, he masks for that deficiency instead of the other side, which is what I was proposing. Hey, let's get in really good offensive and defense coordinators. Yep. Maybe you can make up for some of Willie's deficiencies in making that jump from, you know, Western Kentucky to South Florida, Oregon to Florida State, where it is a lot more pressure. Oregon is a good program. There's not the pressure that comes with Florida State. And some of it is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I totally am fully willing to admit that. Some of that pressure, it can be toxic as we've seen unfold. But I just feel like it it was inevitable. And so I guess rip the Band-Aid off, which is where they are. So now it begs the question, what direction do they go? Yeah, you have I any- still think it's a really attractive job. I wouldn't say top five. I wouldn't even say maybe top ten. I do think it's a top 15 job without question. Okay. Um, And I, I've seen some names that I think are ridiculous. Urban Meyer, I think, is ridiculous. If it happened, I would be – you'd call me a fool for thinking it was going to happen. Um, There are some other ones out there. James Franklin at Penn State. I think, yeah, it'd be a lovely hire. I don't think it's a realistic option. I don't know. Why would he leave Penn Why State if they're getting yeah. rolling right now? Um, So I gave uh Joey a list of my top ten – and they're not really in any order, but I gave him a list of guys that would be my first guys to call. Now, now they're, na- they're named one through ten. Okay. They're not – and they kind of are – but I think any of these guys would be awesome candidates out there. Matt Rule at Baylor inherited one of the worst situations you could have in college football. When he took over Baylor, remember all the issues yeah, they were absolutely. having on the Art Browse? They were 1-11 his first year, comes in, turns it around, where they're undefeated this year in the top. And he's, he's I, I know him. I've talked to him a few times. I think his personality would be a really good fit. The one thing I wonder about him, would he want to go to the NFL? He might have NFL aspirations. Right. Maybe he's coached with the Giants before. Um, if that's the case... Like you run the risk of having a guy for three years and then you're right back here. I would love to find a 10 year solution, although those almost yeah, don't exist don't, in college football. Day and age. Mark Stoops is a popular name. 
He was on Florida State's staff as a defensive coordinator with Jimbo Fisher, then goes to Kentucky, won at Kentucky, and is winning at Kentucky. I think he probably is the, the higher, like if you had odds, I would probably put him as the leader in the clubhouse with no knowledge. I don't know what's going on. I just think it makes sense. I think he would instantly bring a big you know, sense of discipline. Yep. He's a defensive-minded coach. It would help shore up the defense. And then maybe you either keep Kendall Bryles or find somebody else. If you wanted to go offensive coach, Tony Elliott, who's the co-offensive coordinator at Clemson, I think would be an outstanding hire. Um, younger guy, he's 39, but he played at Clemson. Like maybe, maybe he's happy there. Right? Yeah. But uh, guys will, I don't think guys are as tied to their universities as people want to make it out to be. I would also call Jeff Scott. I don't have him on the list. Basically, I would call Clemson staff. <laughs> like I would see say, you, right? you guys have built a dynasty. Let's see if you've learned enough from Dabo. Brent Venables is the other option from there. Uh, the defensive coordinator, uh, who I don't think will leave. But maybe he's waiting for the perfect opportunity. Maybe he would see Florida State as the perfect opportunity. Brent I don't know. He's in his 40s, like yeah. mid-40s. But he's he's had a ton of success. He's had a lot of opportunities that he has turned down. And then the other kind of name that I threw in there as a wild card, and you saw it on there, was Joe Brady. Yeah. So he is the offensive wonder kind. Like the kid who has turned around LSU, he's only 30. Yeah. That's so that tough. would – and I don't know – that might be too risky for Florida State at this position because there's not a lot of margin for error. You can't be in a cycle like you got to hit on this one. If this needs Florida to State. be a solid, almost safe hire for Florida State. Yeah, it can't be a roll of the dice. Like no. this one needs you. You need to. You have to have a a high floor, if you will. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you can't. You can't. The bottom can't fall out of Florida State. You have to have a safe hire here. So 30 might be a little too young. So speaking of safe hires, I didn't have a couple Lane Kiffins, one that's a little bit more polarizing. Um, he'd be risky, but he would be an offensive mind, and he'd be able to recruit. Yeah. It'd be, I just wonder about some of the baggage, some of the issues he's had that plagued him. State, he gets kids already down here at Agreed. FAU. I wouldn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't push back on it. Yeah. I, think it I think it'd be interesting. Mike Leach is another name from Washington State, runs the air raid, runs a lot of offenses. Now, he's a guy similar to Lane where you bring in personalities that have some baggage. Like, Lane has his history. He's on Twitter all the time. He talks trash. Right. I kind of like, like, I'm guilty of that as well, so I don't mind that as much. Mike Leach has gotten in some trouble politically, you know, supporting certain candidates that mm, people don't mm. like. Um He's kind of off the wall. I like the fact that he called out his players a couple yeah. months ago and was like, hey, we're soft. Like, he, he's very blunt. He doesn't interview well because he's so blunt. So I don't know how that would play out. Um, but I think it'd be a, a, an interesting name. That I mean, when you have a there. resume like his, do you really have to interview well at that point? Like, that interview process to me, dude, is you like. You think so. Yeah. I mean, look at my track record. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna but say I some, think. They, I'm going to say some dumbass stuff in this interview. Right. But look right. at my track record. Right. Exactly. You would think that's the way it would go. But because he hasn't been at a premier program, the spotlight is going yeah. to be on you. You know, Texas Tech is a good program. Washington State is a good program. They're not going to get the scrutiny that you would get maybe at Florida State, Fair. which is there. But I think that would be an interesting uh, potential hire there. There's just, and we'll find out a lot more of this. I do think Florida State is going to go the uh, the route of hiring a coaching firm. You know, where they pay a search firm that goes out there, gives them this list. A list you know, goes through the interviews and gives them, you know, the list of final candidates that they choose from, which is probably the smart name to go with. You know, you know what I didn't love about this whole thing, aside from, you know, I just feel bad for Willie. Um, the AD came out or the, the athletic department came out and said that they did not, there were not monies raised. Which I find hard to believe because Mark Slaybaugh from ESPN reported that there was, I know the financial issues that Florida State yeah. is facing. They are in, dire straits you've been raising money 
for a while now to fire Willie Taggart. Can we just, can we get off of the, like, we didn't do that? Like this, this has been out. When I said this weeks ago, that ball was already in motion. I'm telling you, like they were already planning and plotting on how they could make this happen. All right. I have an alternative to that. I don't want to hear it. No, no, no. Here's an alternative. You tell me if you would disagree with this as opposed to raising the money and getting new checks. They've got a lot of money. They have deep pockets. They've raised money for a long time. They just tapped into the war chest. And maybe they had to get it approved by the right voices. Hey, are we okay setting ourselves back 20 million? Let's temp, let's, We'll have a fundraiser in the spring okay. for the new indoor, you know, for the new facility that we're going to build. But maybe we tap into this one. Maybe that is it. Maybe that's Semantics. a technicality. We're fine. I'm yes. fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, who the heck? Because then you could technically say you didn't go out and that's and what I'm getting out. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm getting. Fair enough. At. Like, but because I don't, I honestly don't know where it came from. The boosters do have some deep pockets though, where in it's not coming from the school's athletic to bud, uh, budget. It's not coming from the NCAA's. People right. are like, hey, the, all these certain things. There was definitely some conversations that had, and it was agreed upon, hey, we're willing to cut this check to move on. And again, like I said, it's probably better everybody rips the Band-Aid off. Just hope they get this one right because yep. it is a can big I, hire. Can I pose we'll one more coach yeah, what do you before got? Who we you got? finish up this conversation? Yep. Um, Mike Gundy, he's a man. He's now <laughs> he's, he's 52. Man. He's now 52. Oh, he loves Donkey Kong, and he's a great coach. He's my pick. As a Noel, I want Mike Gundy. Let's do it. If I'm not mistaken, he was up in the Willie Taggart hire. There was, you know, there were some other names that were proposed, and I think he was talked about. Hey, he's done a good job at Oklahoma State. He's been there a long time. He's yeah. been there 12 years. Obviously, at the 40, he's been there longer than that. Maybe he'd be an opportunity that, hey, I want to leave. He played there, but there's always been kind of a contentious relationship between him and some of the powers that be. Maybe it'd be an option. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be wide open. I honestly, I can't wait to see how it unfolds. I think it's going to be a long process, which is good. Maybe that's why they did it now, so they can take their time and sure. be thorough, which is strongly what I would uh, suggest for them. So we'll be all over it here at Canelo and Bell. Any type of rumors, anything we hear, we'll be all over it. And, of course, when they make an announcement going in whatever direction, we will be there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. If you're just checking us out on CBS Sports HQ, make sure you can go back and uh, download our entire show on Apple, anywhere, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts. We're on there. Uh, Canel and Bell. If you want to listen to the Willie Tiger conversation or any other uh, show that we have on there, we'd love for you to subscribe to uh, checking out the show. Moving on to the NFL, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens mm. give the Patriots their first loss. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so about the Patriots' defense not being as, you know, just unbelievably dominant as their statistics showed. Yep. This was the first real test that they had as far as a team with a pulse. And I don't, I don't want to say exposed because I still think they're a top three, top sure. five defense. But I just, I wanted to temper the conversation when it was like, hey, are they the best defense of all time? Because I don't think they had that because their schedule was pretty light. So the Patriots go out there, they give up a ton of yards, but Lamar Jackson, was putting on a show. And I think he deserves a ton of credit. I think Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, deserves a a ton of credit. I mean, the opening drive, they went down the field like it was their business. Like, just hardly any negative plays. It was the game plan to perfection. But Lamar Jackson continues to by far 
have the best career to date of any quarterback of the five that were selected in that draft. Why aren't more people saying that? <laughs> like, no, seriously. Yeah. Like, we could talk about longevity of career and mm-hmm. who winds up at the end of the day projecting that out, who winds up playing for longer. And But right now, as we stand, why is there, like, an unwillingness to say that? I find that fascinating. Like, I really do. I don't know if people would fight back against you on saying it. You know, Well, what I mean? there's like, always I'm... a narrative. Like, I heard this morning it was like, uh, he can't do that. Like, he's going to get – why does he have to get hurt? Right. Why, why can't we just appreciate I, it? I, I, I mean, he's done it. Everywhere he's ever been, he's played like that. Right. And he, knock on wood, I mean, but he hasn't really been injured. So I, I do also find it really interesting that when you watch that, you can't just enjoy it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's going to get hurt. They can't do that. He's going to get hurt. They can't do that. And all he keeps doing is winning and finding ways like to kind of get down, you know, and not get hurt. I, I just think it's an, an interesting thing, right? And to the to the point about the, the Patriots, their defense is good. Yeah. And you have a really valid point about they haven't played anybody really. But that particular offense – is unique and the only one that looks like that in the NFL. So it's going to be hard. It's like Syracuse when you play them in the NCAA tournament if you're a basketball team. Very few teams aside from Syracuse and Baylor run zone defenses. Right. So when you see it, like you, ha- it, it throws you for a loop. You don't practice against it every day. You don't, you, you know, it's hard to prepare for it. And so I give them a slight pass, the, the Patriots that is, because that offense is really unique to the NFL. And what Lamar Jackson brings to the table and why I liked this team in the game last night was Bill Belichick is a great defensive mastermind. Scheme-wise, he's going to throw the kitchen sink at you. He's going to confuse you. He's going to have an answer for everything you do. Yeah. There's no answer for Lamar Jackson. Like You have to have a player who can tackle him. Yeah. And a lot of times you just can't. You First can't you catch, catch him. him. Yeah. By the way, you know who else's speed was jumping off was Hollywood Brown. Yes. I mean, his speed was like jumping. And I know there's – and I'm sure you see it in the NBA, like when a guy misses some time and he comes back and he's like, fresh legs, fresh legs. Yeah. So he has fresh legs and he's already fast. Like he looked like he had another gear that everybody else did not have. To your, to your point, and here's where I'm more willing – probably towards your side to say, man, why can't we just appreciate this and see that this could be the future? Because people will go back and they'll say, look at RG3. Look at Cam Newton. There have been other quarterbacks who have had windows where they looked like Lamar. You know, RG3 was tearing up the NFL. Rookie of the year. Cam Newton, same thing. And then it didn't sustain. But here's the thing. We're in a new era. They protect quarterbacks more than ever. We're seeing more and more quarterbacks that play the way he does than ever before. Like, why don't we see this shift that's taking place instead of saying, well, you have to play the game this way. Correct. Now, I agree with you 100%. And RG3 is a lot smaller than than Lamar Jackson. Um, Really slight a frame. When you look at Lamar, He's not a big strapping dude, but he's not skinny. Like, And he's got a bulked up this offseason. Right. Um, And what I would say about Cam is, like, you, you wouldn't do that again if you were the Panthers? Right. Like what you wouldn't, you wouldn't right. go like an, and you got, he probably would too. You got an MVP, probably... got MVP out of it. Yep. You got a Super Bowl appearance out of it. Like, you know, we're stuck kind of like in our day and age, right? Like our era, you wanted sustainable 10 year, 11 year windows. Like kids today don't give a damn about no 10 years. They want it now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the windows are shorter. So I, I think that quarterbacks like this, while they might not, um, have the same length of a career as a Brett Favre or someone like that, I think the whole, everyone's, everyone's expectation has shifted, right? Things, people want things more immediate now. So like maybe he has a seven to eight year window of time where he can play like that and he electrifies and you win. I'm signing up for that every time. I'll go find another quarterback after that. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, not, absolutely. Just because it might not last for 10 or 11 years. I don't, why do I give a damn? Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yep. Like, Joey, what you got? 
Yeah, I mean, I think to your point of talking about running quarterbacks in the past that people say like RG3, Mike, Cam Newton, this and that, they talked about a lot on the broadcast last night about how Harbaugh has said that they have built this whole thing around Lamar, right? So isn't this the first time where we're really seeing a, a team yeah. saying, we're going to bring this guy in, we know what he is, and we're building everything around him? It's like no one's saying, Christian McCaffrey, why are you running him so much? He's going to get hurt or this. Or that. They're, they built this whole offense around his ability to run the ball, so why can't we just appreciate that this is what it is? I mean, it's not like they're just having him drop back – a 50 times and letting him run and out in the open they've designed this for him and it's very clear like he's they are designing plays that you would not draw up for Brady Breeze like Rodgers anybody else and that's what you should do great coaches design plays for the talent that they're given right the talent that they have on their roster they are maximizing Lamar Jackson's talent I do I love it like why can't as opposed to he can't survive like that why don't we just take it in and like hope that he changes thing like i'd love to see him go against the grain i do have my concerns like my first thing is man i wonder how long we'll be able to do this but let's enjoy it and if he does want to play 10 years maybe he does he can evolve like the more comfortable he gets he's got the arm strength to do it so as opposed to every other quarterback that's in this class that's struggling and throwing interceptions and right. on some of the worst teams in the nfl they're winning and also he's getting better every time he sees the different defenses that, that's exactly you know what i was going to say like right now this is what you do with lamar jackson right mm-hmm. and your hope is that every year he makes strides to kind of you know supplement with more of a passing game so the so the so the ratio run to pass is more evenly balanced you know what i mean and as that happens you evolve the offense you know into something different but but right now you're maximizing a talent and I, I they do this in the nba all the time right and they do well they do they do it with quarterbacks in the nfl probably more and it opens up a whole nother conversation i'm sure we're not going to get into but it's like i asked you the other day about mitch trubisky and damn deshaun watson right like why are you overthinking it like if a dude has showed you at every level that he's going to be the best at what he does. Mm-hmm. Why, when it gets time to take him into the pros, do you nitpick it and tear it apart to the, you convince yourself that someone else who ain't never done nothing is better than him? Like, right. do you know what I mean? Like, oh, it yeah. happens all the time. Like, this, he went to Louisville. What do you do? He won the Heisman. Yep. Right? Like, you're going to look at that and you're going to convince yourself that five other quarterbacks are better than that to go to the NFL. Like, I, shame on you. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, the other quarterback who was taken number one in his class was Baker Mayfield. And the Browns found themselves in what I thought was a must-win position mm-hmm. playing against Denver. They come up short. They lose again. And I don't know, I feel like I say I'm a told you so a lot on this show. I was wrong. <laughs> you right. tell me. You no. told me so. But I, I, I will say this. I didn't think it would be this bad. Yeah. I thought they would have glimpses of greatness. But then I thought if things got rough, it could implode. But I thought they'd be around 500. I thought right. they would like have some great moments, have some bad moments, have some. It's been mostly bad for the last three or four weeks for the Browns. And yesterday was no difference, uh, no different in that game. So not only do they lose, um, but Odell Beckham reportedly said on the sidelines, I can't get the ball to save my life. He had six targets in the game. Jarvis Landry had 13. Um, they're both complaining after they come out, both, uh, o- Odell and Jarvis say that they were forced to change their cleats at halftime or they couldn't play in the second half. Something I have never heard happen before. Let me read you some names, Danny. And I want you to tell me who these people are. Okay. okay. Um, Preston Williams, Zach Pascal, <laughs> Hunter Renfro, Irv Smith Jr., Keelan Cole, Ryan Griffin, and Jacob Hollister. 
Those what are, do they all have in common? They have more targets. They had more damn targets than possibly the best wide receiver in the NFL. You went and got you went and signed him, gave up assets to get him. Yep. You got him over there and you won't give him the ball? Like that dude. So is that I, on, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. No, what, yeah. And you, we talked about this last week. We've talked about it almost every week. Freddie Kitchens, who is the offensive coordinator, he has to make a concerted plan. Have somebody remind you if you forget. I don't know what you chalk it up to now. Danny, like now it's almost over. Like what was it? What was it? Third and third and third and long was it? Or was it a fourth down? I don't. I don't even know the damn down and distance. Fourth and four. Fourth and four. His hand up. Give him the ball. Yeah. You, what are you doing? Like the the man was looking at the running back out of the backfield and then went to to Jarvis Landry. The he's. Your eyes are, I mean, seriously, Dan, yeah. I, I'm losing my stuff this morning, right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm angry with this. And I'm proud of Odell Beckham Jr. for at least keeping it together to this point. Cause yeah. guess what? If I'm a talent like that, don't bring me here not to let me do what I do. Right. Don't do it. Right. Don't bring me here if you ain't going to give me the damn ball respectfully. But if you have a boss on your team, a beast, right? As a point guard, I got to do what I know could get a bucket whenever he needs a bucket, whenever my team needs a bucket. Guess what I am going to do to a fault when my team needs a bucket? Yep. You're going to go to him. I'm going to him. Yep. What? They have to do that. That's inexplicable to me how they can't be there. You give your best. We were just talking about the Baltimore Ravens designed their offense specifically around Lamar. They're catering to him. Yeah, he's quarterback, but he's also they're utilizing his skill set. What I just say, best coaches maximize their players' talent. You have to bring him in motion. You have to do certain things. I don't care if it's giving him the ball and end around. You have to get the ball in his hands so that he has an opportunity to use the skills that he's been given. And instead, they're not even giving him an opportunity. So now, it's reportedly, I, I hate these reportedly, hey, I can't get the ball to save my life. I don't know if I believe it or not. It wouldn't surprise me, but I don't like that. Um, the thing with the shoes isn't that big of a deal, um, but it is it is imploding right well, before it, our very Yeah, eyes. it's going to implode. Look, again, uh, first of all, I talk about this all the time, knowing what knowing what you're you're getting and, t- and getting it on your team, right? When you know what you're going to get, and you bring it to your team and you don't do everything to make sure that it, that it doesn't implode because you knew it had the, the possibility of imploding. That's on you, right? Right. Um, also, again, this is just basic cable. If you acquire a certain skill set because you deem it to be necessary to your team winning and you don't use it, that's shame on you also. Do you know what I mean? And I'm going to take this to Freddie Kitchens like I, I did a few years ago with the guy who was coaching the Giants. Who was that at the time coaching the Giants? That ben guy McAdoo? That- he doesn't even look the part. No. That cat got off the bus yesterday with the, with the Kangol on, like cocked yeah. to the side. Yeah. The terrible jacket. Yep. And the jeans. <laughs> you <laughs> don't even look the part, my man. No, he doesn't either. Speaking of looking the part, Baker Mayfield. I want to make sure I keep everybody on the same criticism scale. So I, cri- I criticized Cam Newton for the way he looked in press conferences. Yeah. I thought he'd put too much effort in how he looked and, hey, just go out there, especially after losses. Do the same thing with Baker Mayfield from the completely opposite way. Like, you know, you have to at least look the part. Like, just give me something. And the thing with the facial here, facial hair is just weird. I have no idea what's going on, but to me, it's as a priority that you're worried about other things that don't matter. Right. So he shows up to the game. That's a fine look. It is not bad. Yeah. Got the full beard. Beards yeah. are in. I got my beard glowing right now. Some shades. I got no problem with that. He shows up to the game. Then during the game, Shaves it down to the Fu Manchu. Ooh. Hey, you think it's going to be fun? Like, I get it. And he did that at Oklahoma somewhat, too. Then post-game, after a bad performance, shaves it down to the mustache. <laughs> and then you see this look, which everybody was skewering him last night. The the trench, see, I thought it was a trench coat full length. You didn't see, like, in this full length. I, You just don't look like a franchise quarterback in this picture. If I, you want to go up there and you want to 
like after a loss, rough game, just go up in your Browns t-shirt before you shower and get ready yeah. with your eye with your eye black on SE. and just answer the questions and then go shower. Yeah. This, to me, you just don't look like a franchise quarterback. And I know it's something, again, similar to Cam, it doesn't really matter in the big scheme. But why give everybody this opportunity to just skewer you with it, skewer you the way they are going to do you today? Know, I, so in the same in the same vein, I will then defend him because I defend Cam. Like I, I look, yeah, Cam's outfits. While maybe something I wouldn't necessarily wear, I don't really have a problem with him getting up there looking like that. And Baker, maybe maybe you were just so like pissed and stuff that you didn't have time to really make it look nice and neat. And so you get up there, they take a picture, and it, it doesn't look great. I, I don't really care. Here's what I do think is interesting. The facial hair changing three times a day. It's, just, it's weird. And look, Joey, our producer, had a, a glorious beard. It was Yeah, glorious, yeah. Right? Long, yeah. Glorious. Um, he came in the other day, and it was all shaved down, trim, nice and neat. And you know what the first thing I asked him? I was like, is everything all right, bro? Like, right. something going on with you? Right. Because it was such a change. Like, so when you're doing that two times in a day, like, I am worried. I got to ask the question, is everything all right with you, bro? Like, are we are we okay aside from this football well, stuff? Well, it also like, just shows you you're worried about stuff that doesn't matter, especially, like, coming and then shaving before and after. And why did you leave the mustache? Like, if you're going to shave, shave everything. Just go clean shave yeah. across the board. To me, it just shows kind of like it's similar to the watch that Odell wore. Like, it didn't matter, just, yeah. but you're wearing it, and people are going to talk about it well, the, the same way you have this beard. The cleats were like that. My thing with the cleats was like, they were the Joker cleats for Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. But your, your team is sitting into it, whatever it is. Right. That's what. Just don't don't worry about going out there with no damn Joker cleats. Yeah. Like, go out there and try to win football games. But they have way too much of all the stuff that we're talking about exactly. going on in Cleveland. And if they're winning, nobody's talking about any of this, but you're not winning. So wait till you're winning to do the fun stuff with your beard and wear the shoes. Wait till you're winning. When you're losing, I hear you. people don't want to talk and about this. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna echo what I just said about Florida State. Like this seems to be not, now you've had a turnover in people, yeah. you've had a turnover in, in 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 coaches and in players. And guess what? The Browns still are a bad franchise. That 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 speaks more to the the franchise. Yep. Right. Like the same way I said, Florida State has some fundamental things, like as a as a program that they need to work on. The Brown, you got to get your stuff together, man. You got the talent there. You guys got to figure that out. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, yesterday, I was looking at tickets possibly to go down to uh, Miami to watch the Rockets play the Heat. Yeah. Mike, if I'm going to go down to all make the drive, I want to see a good opponent uh, that you know has some superstars on it sure. and see a potentially a good game. Six o'clock was perfect tip time. I was going to take my youngest daughter. I was like, ah, you know what? She had a little flu. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to go. Good thing I didn't because the game wasn't very competitive. 46 to 14 after the first quarter. We were talking about the flu. They had the South Beach they flu. They had the South Beach It flu. is known about yes. it. Vegas likes to play it. Yes. A lot of uh, you know people in the know like to always fade the team that's going to travel to Miami. All right, so walk us through this from your perspective as an NBA player. Yeah. Like, is there any <laughs> doubt that Harden, Westbrook, the rest of the team, that they weren't at Club Live, which has kind of been speculated and rumored about, uh, until late in the hours on a Saturday night. That's the other thing. It's a Sunday night game. Saturday night. And so that means Saturday look, night they had the night. It is crucial um, when you're playing in Miami that you play a weeknight game and to some degree that you get in like and you're on a back-to-back. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes the back-to-back doesn't matter because we get in off of the flight yeah, it's, and it's still find your time. way to the beach. Exactly. It's you know 1 what I mean? It's just starting to get going. But it's a lot. It, you have a much higher probability of playing well if you're there on a back-to-back and guys are just like, I'm tired. I don't want to go out. We got to play tomorrow. If you're there on a Saturday, and you've probably been there all day Saturday. Yeah. Um, got a nice nap, so you're good to go. Yeah, that's not, a, good, that's not a recipe. All you have to do, like before I even looked at the box score, I said, all right, let me give them the benefit of the doubt. 
maybe everybody played like just didn't shoot well. Yeah. Let's look at like the hustle stats. Yeah. Let's look at everybody's normal amount of rebounds and assists <laughs> and all of that. And if they're in line with what they normally do, I, I'll, st- I'll take a step back. All of those numbers down across the board. <laughs> right. Cats had no energy. None whatsoever. Yes. Um, it happens in every sport. It doesn't happen as much in football because there's so much more control. Yeah. Uh, you only get there the night before. There's a curfew. So there's no curfew in the NBA. Right. Never. Never. Like they don't even say, uh, like, uh, do they recommend, I've, hey, be in by midnight, be in by one? Cause you don't have to be up early. Man, honestly, I'm, I probably had a curfew somewhere along the line, like way back. Playoffs, maybe not even the playoffs. They just trust you as professionals. They just trust you. To it is down. weird as grown men who are paid to do something that coaches have to do that. NFL is different though. There's only one game a week. Yep. The one cup, the couple of times that I've seen it get a little bit sideways is when we would travel west from the east coast. We would leave two nights before. So guys would get into it a little bit, either starting on the plane, right. where there was one running back that was really puking on himself on the plane. It was a West Coast trip, and he was a really good running back. Uh, we were going to San Francisco, and you know, lost it, and like we had to carry him into the bus. Like it was bad. He was passed out from the plane ride. Guys will do that, but the most part, you, you just don't. The night before the game, it's the Friday before the game at home. Right. You know, I've been in those huddles Saturday morning, the walkthrough huddles. Everybody reeks. You can really smell the alcohol coming from everywhere. But it is a. Uh, it's definitely a thing. I can't believe I didn't bet that game either. Yeah, they got uh, hit hard. All right, so in the game itself. Oh, our buddy Ruben does our show showdown. Hopefully I didn't out him there, but he said he was at the game and Harden showed up at the arena at 4.36 p.m. for a 6 o'clock game. Is that... That's not normal, is that's it? That's a South either, Beach no. type situation. <laughs> yeah, that's not normal. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any, any knowledge <laughs> right. of it, but yeah, right. you should usually well, be there earlier then. Yeah, a little, uh, probably a couple hours there. Also, the early game. Like that hurts too because yeah, it's one hour, it's an extra hour. Yeah, they, they definitely could have slept and uh, caught up on that one. Yeah. Uh, the other thing from that game was the referee, and I'm curious to get your reaction on this one. I was kind of entertained by it, yeah. But Harden gets a travel in the game, and the ref comes out there and does a little kind of travel dance. I don't even know if what you uh, want to call it. Oh, is that Sean Corbin? I knew you were gonna know who I it was. That's Sean Corbin. Let's see, one, two, what? Did he travel? I don't know. He does so many Euro steps and moves and new shots and stuff. I can't keep track of it. You know me, dude. I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know me with my refs. What, what time? I don't know what time in the game. Like, I think it's funny, but it is bringing attention to yourself when the ref's job is to be invisible, right? I mean, you shouldn't they be invisible? Yeah. I've had someone argue with me that the, the refs, um, in the NBA can be part of the show. Like, um, you know, they, they reference like the Joey Crawfords and the guys yeah. like that who are, who are part of the, of the product, which, which is fine. So I don't want to, but I don't need your show to up show the actual show. Like, do you right. know what I'm saying? Like, you and maybe to- that's my point is, th- I mean, if it was in the first half, like if that's in the fourth quarter, less than two minutes, I'm pissed. Right. Like, especially if I'm a player, hey, like, like, hey, this doing? isn't the time. If, hey, if it's 46 <laughs> to 14 yeah. and even that ref is like, these guys reek, <laughs> you know, which he might have been. He's like, all right, right. I'm gonna, like they're too hungover <laughs> to complain. Then I'm kind of okay with it. So it's sort of like, I guess everything that I complain about is situational. Which depends on when it was in the game. If it's the first half, yeah, you can go ahead and do it. Set your tone. I'm not have the big problem with it. It wasn't, you know, I don't, was it a travel? So as not? a Heat fan, you're a Heat fan, right? Yeah. You had gone to that game. Yeah. You would have been pissed because they didn't play well, or were you just been happy to see your team rail? I probably would have been pissed team. that they didn't, that they showed up like that. Really? Ultimately, I would have been with my seven year old, so yeah. we probably wouldn't even stayed much like past the second half. But yeah, if I was, 
if I was somebody who paid a lot of money and was there to see Harden and Westbrook, I'd be a little bit. But that's probably, let's be honest, I mean, that's probably what some fans actually did. Funny. Went to watch those guys and uh, were like, oh, this is what we get. Hey, I don't know if I, I, I South Beach will get you every time. I man. will. I think I told you, I, when I was in high school, my dad had season tickets to the Heat. We'd go out occasionally. So I wanted to go see Jordan. Right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to see Jordan. So we went down to see Jordan, was so pumped up about it. I think he had 18. Like, I think if you went back and looked at Michael <laughs> Jordan's worst games of all time, I think one it's like them. one of the worst 10. Yeah. It was one of them. And I remember thinking, man, he sucked. Like, I had no idea what the South Beach flu was at the time. Right. He was probably not only out till late, probably had a card game after that, then went to the golf course. I played, and then played LaGorse the, earlier. Exactly. <laughs> probably played 36 and then showed up to the arena totally dead, which is why he had 18. So, yeah, I was a little bit bummed about that. You know who was not – um uh, in any flu situation was the Lakers because, uh, after losing game one to the Clippers, LeBron and AD have got this thing rolling, yeah. uh, with one of the best records in the NBA. Are you surprised at all at how well this is going early? Cause you, uh, I mean, the expectation I thought was, Hey, there'll be some growing pains as they figure this thing out. And it hasn't been the case. No, I'm not surprised. Um, I, I don't know that. They don't hit a hurdle at some point this season. Do you know what I mean? And they'll have to overcome that and kind of figure it out. But I'm not surprised that two guys that are as good as these guys are um, can win games and put up numbers. LeBron's having another fantastic season, 47% from the field. Um, You know, AD has been remarkable. They are going to hurt each other in the MVP conversation. Yeah. They're both playing so well. I was just going to ask you if you had to give the award today to one of those two, who would you give it to? I'd probably give it to AD right now. Right. I mean, but the funny thing is I still maintain it all runs through LeBron. Even though AD's averaging more points, LeBron LeBron makes a lot of that stuff happen. Um, But I think this is perfect for AD because I've said this before. I've seen him on his own as the number one guy. And it hasn't translated into huge amounts of success for his team. And, and, you know, some guys are phenomenal players and they just, they, they're not built to be like the number one guy. LeBron is the number one guy on that team, whether AD has the better stat lines or not. And that puts him right AD right in the spot where he needs to be to possibly win a championship with which another really good player, more of an alpha than you, um, will take the bull by his horns a little bit more and you can just go out there. And, and let all of those talents you have just be on full display. Do you know? So I think it's going to be great. And, and Kyle Kuzma isn't even really back yet. Like he's back, but he's not, he's on a minute restriction. You know, he hasn't been integrated into what they do. So, you know, they're going to be interesting to watch. They definitely are. Uh, LeBron coming off back to back triple doubles and the Lakers are number one in the NBA in defensive rating. So they're getting it done. Talk about effort. Yeah. And that's all an effort thing. And they've been getting it done on that side of the ball too. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell. We started off the show with Willie Taggart. We were just talking about $20 million. <laughs> Would it still, like, it sucks. You don't want to get fired. Your family's in a position. $20 million is a pretty good consolation prize. Straight. Yeah, right? I'm all right. And if there's any non-compete, they're like, hey, I'm going to wait this thing out. Yeah, I'm correct. not going to have to take another job. I'll go right. be a TV analyst. See ya. Or whatever he has to do there. Um, the UFC was in action as we had the Masvidal, uh, Nate Diaz fight for the BMF, the baddest mother bleeper. Got to be careful on that one. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bad look, though. You're supposed to be the baddest dude out there. That you just let him brawl. You let him finish. Nate Diaz got cut. Had a really bad cut in his eye, which I totally understand. But every time Nate Diaz fights, he always looks torn up. Like, he always has. His face looks like a battered piece of meat after every fight. Win or lose. And they called it. Like, how are you supposed to be the baddest <laughs> mf and they're going to call the fight? 
after that. Yeah, I hear you, man. Like, the doctors should have been in line. The ref should have been in line with, like, listen, this is going to be a different. This is the BMF. And and I thought we had Rashad on last Yeah. Week. I thought it was interesting that he said, you know, what Nate was going to do was kind of take that, like kind of rope-a-dope it. That was his style, and he was in such great condition that he would come on late in the fight. Right. So you took away that opportunity for the best part of Nate Diaz, but my man was split to the white meat, bro. Like that, that, oh, those yeah. cuts were, were. <laughs> it is pretty nasty. Whoa. It is, but again, he's kind of used to no, that. No, but yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Like if you're, and especially you're fighting for this made up title. Right. Like it, it gotta let him go. Right. Uh, there were several aspects that were kind of side stories to this one that were unfolding that were pretty fascinating. One, the fact that the fight actually was called. The other thing, the fact that it was in New York where they're a little bit stricter with the, the commission that runs things. Uh-huh. They're not used to seeing as many fights, that much blood and probably freaked them out a little bit. And they're like, Hey, we got to be safer. Or if this is in Vegas, it's probably going the other way. And they're saying, let's just let them have it. Tear his face off. Right. Uh, the other thing is there was a, Canelo, um, who's the fighter he's fighting? I Kovalev, just said it. Kovalev. Kovalev. We're fighting boxing, you know, on the zone. This is a premier boxing match that's taking place on the same night. This is one, this is my biggest beef with boxing and UFC. Can't we just, and when you say you're going to start at 10, have the undercard start at eight. Yes, why can't so we do you that? can finish at 10. No, they start at 10, so they're going later. So the Masvidal Diaz fight is going late, close to midnight. Well, the boxing match is supposed to take place around the same time. They just made the assumption, hey, they'll be done by the time our bout is on, that we'll be okay. Instead, they're not. So they're delaying it. The zone, Vegas, they're they're slowing it down. They're slow playing it. Meanwhile, the fans are getting restless. Like, what the heck's going on here? So the MGM calls Dana White and UFC was like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, we got a problem here. We got fans. Like, can we speed this up or anything? And they're like, no, we have our, we're going to go as we go. Yeah. And they say, all right, well, can we show your fight, your pay-per-view in our arena so at least our fans can watch something? And the UFC said, sure, why yeah. not? So they put it on the big screen at the boxing match. So if you went to that fight, you at least you got to see both. You, like, you got a two for one. They, the fans won at the boxing match and UFC won, right? Like you got boxing fans sitting in there waiting for a main event, watching UFC fighting. Like that's a win for UFC. So, yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, Kovalev, Canelo's a real deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He no, absolutely he's a real deal. Is he jumping up and waiting? He's his a real deal. deal. Like two hundred seventy-five mil real deal. Yeah, he's. Real. I mean, he's a, yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. He's a real it deal. was a lot of yeah. money. Uh, Joey was saying me that the the zone actually decided ahead of time they weren't going to show it uh, until UFC was done. The problem was they didn't think that there was any chance the UFC was going to last that long uh in that fight joey what did i miss on there There were some other details that unfolded that i feel like i missed well we just wanted to talk about nate and masvidal after but nate calling out the rock basically saying he he nate has this thing where he thinks everyone's against him and he might be right but he said uh he said you know f the rock i see him over there playing me too smiling with masvidal and i he could get it he said the rock could get it too and then they asked him about it again and he said uh you know, I know he's from South Florida, but he's on the other team, and I like ballers. He's like, I like ballers. The Rock's cool, but he could get it. He could get it for sure. Um, but then, what did he also? Didn't he also say Mike Tyson is the real? Oh they, yeah, that's what they should really have. If you're gonna have the baddest mother effer do the belt, it should be Mike Tyson. Which I would agree. I would say if you're asking, like, The Rock's big and he's tough, but Listen. there ain't nobody better than Mike Tyson. 